this is Kara Foster, Senior Minister of First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky. You're listening to our sermon podcast. You can connect with us at firstchristianmadisonville.org or join us in person at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at 10.30 College Drive in beautiful Madisonville, Kentucky. I hope you'll subscribe. Thanks. As we continue to journey towards the cross over these next six weeks to Easter Sunday, I'm letting John be our storyteller. And the Gospel of John, almost a book of theology, we have to keep in mind that when John tells us something, there's always meaning and metaphor behind it. And today we're going to be in John chapter 4, beginning in verse 5. And I know I'm going to read quite a long passage, probably the longest passage I've ever read from the pulpit, but the story is just so good, Paul, that I couldn't decide what part to tell you and what part to leave out. So I'm going to read the whole story of Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well. This happens to be, as I mentioned in my email this week, this happens to be the longest conversation Jesus has with anyone in the Gospels. Longer than any conversation recorded with the disciples. This is it. This conversation with a Samaritan woman at the well. And in fact, it horrified his own disciples, this encounter with this woman. And I invite you to read along with me. It's in John chapter 5. John chapter 4, sorry. Beginning in verse 5. So Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You're right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, 
and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one speaking to you. And just then his disciples came, and they were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. But no one said, what do you want? Why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city, were on their way to him. And meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and complete his work. Do you not say four months, four more months, and then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you. See how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the sayings hold true, one sow and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from the city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. So it's high noon, and Jesus is resting at the well. Do you know what it feels like about 12 o'clock in the Middle East? Hot. It's hot. Sun's blazing down. Jesus is resting when this Samaritan woman comes to fetch water. Now, the going to the well was how everyone survived in Jesus' time. It was where you got your water to clean and cook and drink and bathe with. Going to the well or a river is still very much the reality for many people around the world. It is often a job then as it is now, a job relegated for women and girls to go fetch the water who often have to travel long distances. In fact, if you don't know this, it's been one of our partnerships through Global Ministries with a ministry out of Nicaragua, Sapad, that I know is close to many of your hearts. But the focus of this partnership for many years now is to help fund rural communities to have access to clean and safe drinking water. When you give your Sunday morning offerings, you are helping people to have access to clean, safe drinking water all around the world. In fact, it's Water Projects is something our humanitarian ministry, Week of Compassion, continues to support around the world. So I hope you've considered giving to that special offering this month. They do amazing work. But this well is how everyone survived. It was the heart of a community, the lifeblood of any village. 
And this Samaritan woman comes alone at the heat of the day. Scholars point out that this is our hint that there is something special about this woman. The fact that she comes alone to the well at noon, not in the early or cool evening hours, not with other women, she comes by herself. Now maybe she just was unlucky, uh, had to be delegated this job to go fetch the water when it was hot. Maybe she's avoiding the crowds, avoiding stairs. Maybe she's unwelcome. She's alone. Jesus asked her for a drink. Now this is unthinkable, that a holy man would ask a drink of this Samaritan woman. The lines of division in their time were so clear. Men and women, Samaritans, Jews, uh, holy man, regular people. And here is Jesus, this rabbi, asking this Samaritan woman for a drink. She is shocked. And she's intrigued. We learn that the Samaritan woman doesn't have a husband, and the man she's living with right then is not her husband either. Now, is this a string of bad luck? Is it a whole lot of funerals? Is it promiscuity? Is it divorce? Is it a woman always looking for a husband upgrade? We don't really know. Now, I will say, It is worth noting that in a different encounter in the Gospels, when a woman is caught in adultery and an angry mob wants to stone her to death, Jesus actually tells that woman to go and sin no more. He doesn't give any of these, that sort of uh, sermon to this woman today at the well. There's no go and sin no more. It's also worth taking note for a moment of what a woman's life was in first century Palestine. They were dependent upon the men in their lives. Marriages were arranged. Uh, You were responsible to a male relative. Dolly had not declared we could work nine to five to make a living. You had almost no autonomy over your life. So we don't know the particulars of this woman's life. But one thing we can assume is that there must have been a lot of pain there, no matter what. Maybe it's pain she's tried to hide away. Maybe it's the kind of pain that could make you avoid people so you go alone in the heat of the day. Jesus and this woman end up having a real heart-to-heart about their own two religious traditions. She meets Jesus' open and honesty with her own open and honesty. She tells Jesus her painful truth that she doesn't have a husband. And she even talks about her faith, that she knows the Messiah is coming soon. And Jesus says something to her that he has not said to anyone else in John's Gospel. I am he, the Messiah. It's the first time he says that to someone in this Gospel. Now, the disciples arrive. They're horrified. They're disturbed by Jesus talking to her. She takes the hint. She quickly leaves. And what feels particularly poetic, she leaves those old water jars behind and she goes out proclaiming the living waters of Jesus Christ. Come and see the man who's told me everything I have ever done. He didn't, did he? He didn't. But it sure must have felt like that, to be seen, to be heard, to be valued, 
to be free of this pain she's been carrying around with her. The woman at the well, and I wish we knew her name. I wish we knew her name. The woman at the well did not leave the same person she came. Meeting Jesus changed her. She becomes one more person in a long line of people telling their story, the good, the bad, and the ugly of it. One more person who realized that her life was bigger than that mountain of pain she carried around. Here is Jesus crossing divides to get to her. Here is Jesus crossing the cultural bounds of his day to reach her, and she is never the same. Father Gregory Boyle is one of my heroes out of L.A. I talk about him all the time. And he writes in one of his books about a time he was leading uh, mass, and it, they were going to have a first communion service at a detention center for juveniles. And he said it was about 15 minutes till the worship starts, and he was just making conversation. Um, and he was talking to this 15-year-old named Rigo, and he was about to make his first communion. And he was asking about his family and about how long he'd been there in the juvenile detention center. And Rigo tells him that his dad was a heroin addict and had been very violent in his life and that was currently in prison. And Father Greg says, and what about your mom? And Rigo points out into the crowd of worshipers there for the service, a tiny woman standing near the gym's entrance door. He said, that's her over there. There's no one like her. I have been locked up for more than a year and a half, and she comes to see me every single Sunday. Do you know how many buses she takes every Sunday to get here? She takes seven buses. Seven buses, imagine. Reflecting on that memory, Father Greg writes, how then are we all to imagine the expansive heart of God, a God who will take seven buses just to arrive at us. And I suppose today, if the only message you hear from me this morning is that truth, then I'm happy with it. If you hear that reminder that there is no mountain of pain or shame in your life, that his love can't find you, if you hear a message of the truth, of anybody who's ever tried to tell you that you are unworthy or unlovable or not worth anything, that it's a lie. Jesus crosses all bounds just to get to you. There's no divide. He won't let stop from reaching you. Fearfully, wonderfully made child of God, nothing will change that. Seven buses just to arrive at you. The woman at the well, she was changed. She was changed by that encounter with Jesus. As one of my favorite nonprofits likes to say, love heals us. And she is healed in so many ways. She drops those old water jars and she goes. And in verse 39, it says, Many Samaritans from that city believed in Jesus because of this woman's testimony. She became a disciple, a follower, a witness to the story of Christ at work in the world because she had experienced him in her own life. And the truth is, 
She's not polished, not even a perfect witness. She even still seems to have her doubts, like she's working it out. She says, he cannot be the Messiah, can he? She just knows. She just knows that she has to tell others about what she's experienced. She has to tell her story. And you all, you all have stories too. You all have experiences that have shaped you and changed you in your life. Maybe um, you remember that first nudge of faith that made you want to walk down the aisle and join the church or step into the baptism waters. Maybe you remember a moment as you watched someone breathe their last and your heart absolutely was breaking in two, but you knew it was holy. You knew God was there. It was a sacred moment. You have stories about second chances and new beginnings and scenic detours in life. Maybe God had to take eight buses just to get to you. I don't know. But you have stories. Stories where you've experienced God's mercy and compassion and forgiveness when you needed it the most. You have stories. And sometimes I think some of us don't want to share those stories for how perhaps we might be perceived. Maybe you worry you'll be perceived as one of those Christians. I tend to refer to them as parking lot Christians that come up to you and say, hey, have you found Jesus? And you say, oh, I didn't know he was lost. But maybe, maybe you don't want to be perceived as such in this world as one of those types. And so you just... Don't talk about it, but I wish you would. I wish you would. I wish, in fact, that you would just dare today to stand in awe of this woman whose name we don't remember, but I wish you would see her and recognize that she let her life be a witness. Not a perfect witness, but a faithful witness. Preach the gospel at all times. And if you have to use words, as the saying goes, let your life be a witness. Can you? Can you follow her lead today? If you do, you'll need to leave the water jars and go. Amen. Amen.